Hello, I'm Floyd Miller, the host of It's Everything West Texas, and I mean everything. Some of our topics are going to make you laugh, and some will make you cry. I guarantee you all of them will make you think. It is the podcast that highlights people and issues in West Texas. As a neighbor, we want to talk with you. The goal is not necessarily to get agreement, but it is about understanding. Subscribe today and never miss another podcast. Hello, my name is Floyd Miller, and I am the host of It's Everything West Texas. And as you know, we're always trying to bring interesting uh, subjects. And, uh, you know, I think maybe every time I do one of these, I think, well, maybe this is my most interesting subject. Well, today we certainly have one that I am very uh, curious about. We have a, a speaker in our studio that I will be introducing after a while, but he is holding a rally, and this is the title. I want you to get this, West Texas Rally for Christians Against Hate. This is in Abilene, Texas, where there's three religious colleges, there's a church almost on um, every corner, but I'm sure that there is some reason for us to be talking about this today. And our speaker today is the founding director of the Carl Spain Center on Race Studies and and Spiritual Action, and that is Dr. Jerry Taylor. Welcome uh, to the podcast, Dr. Taylor. Thank you so much. It's good to be here with you. Been looking forward to it. Well, I've been looking forward to this too. And uh, Dr. Taylor, we always like for people to tell us a little bit about themselves so the audience kind of get a little idea mm-hmm. of who you really are. And so just anything you feel like sharing with us. Okay. Well, um, I originated from uh, southwest Tennessee, was born in a little town called Covington, Tennessee, uh, which is about 36 miles north of Memphis. And um, that's where I um I became a Christian at the age of 12 in that little church called the Hatches Street Church of Christ and grew up there, uh, moved into Millington, which is about eight miles north of Memphis, and uh, stayed in Millington until I graduated from high school in 1980 and went off to study the ministry uh, to be a Bible major at Southwestern Christian College. Uh, And that's how I ended up in Texas and have been in and out of Texas since 1980. And so um, those are some of my roots, um, uh, having been born in Covington, and um, uh, but the Tennessee-Texas connection is real. Uh, my wife, she is from Houston, Texas, and so there's a T for Texas and a T for Tennessee, <laughs> so, so we're one. <laughs> well, I'll just go ahead and add, I'm from Texas, my wife is from Tennessee, and uh <laughs> I could probably name five or six other couples that's got that going. So I guess that's there right. is that connection somewhere. That, that's right. That's right. Well, we always say um, welcome to Texas. We're glad that you're here and that you're at Abilene uh, Christian uh, University. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the university. Okay. Um, I moved here uh, in 2002 uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, to start teaching in the Bible department uh, in January of 2003. 
And so this coming January, I will have been at ACU for 20 years. Um, we moved here uh, on the invitation uh, by Dr. Jack Reese, who was the dean of the college at that time. And uh, so we uh, came here, transitioned from full-time uh, pulpit ministry to being a professor. And um, the classes that I teach, uh, they're, they're Life and Teachings of Jesus, I teach preaching, also Christian leadership, um, and those are the staples that I, I teach uh, at ACU. Okay, and uh, you are the founding director of the Carl Spain Center? Yes. Explain that. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, back in 2018, um, I was extended an invitation to apply for a congregation in Atlanta, and uh, was giving serious consideration to that, but wanted to communicate that to uh, my dean and to the provost of the of the college here, of the university. Um, and upon having that conversation with them, uh, they looked back in my faculty goals and discovered that I had written that I wanted uh, to start a center at ACU that would deal specifically with race and improving the relations across racial lines. And uh, so they encouraged me to remain here and that I would be given the opportunity to start a center. And so that's why we're here uh, today and still uh, working here at ACU. And uh, we thought it would be good, at least I did, uh, to name the center in honor of Dr. Carl Spain, uh, who was a white professor uh, here at ACU back in uh, 1960, and he gave a very prophetic message to the lectureship crowd that was here on February 24th of 1960, uh, and he really held the college at that time, Abilene Christian College, accountable uh, for its policy of excluding uh, blacks from enrolling at Abilene Christian College. And as a result of that prophetic message, uh, things began to change uh, two years later uh, when ACC admitted its two first black students, uh, Billy Curl and Larry Bonner. And so I thought it would be good uh, to unearth uh, that tremendous uh, story of a person who stood up for what was right and what was good in the midst of his community during a time when talking like that was not popular. And so by the fact that he took that stand uh, and helped open the doors for uh, African-Americans to be enrolled at ACU, I felt that uh, what he did in 1960 also made it possible for me to be invited to uh, be a professor, the first African-American full-time professor uh, in the College of Biblical Studies in the history of ACC. And I knew that uh, that being a thing uh, happened as a result of the prophetic work uh, that Dr. Spain did. Okay, now, the work that Dr. Spain did eventually would open up the doors for people uh, like yourself and mm -hmm. a lot of other African-American Students, but what did it do for Dr. Spain? How was that speech uh, received? Well, um, according to some of the family members uh, speaking with his grandson, uh, 
Um, some people appreciated that message and some didn't. Um, it's much like today, uh, if you say something that can be totally biblical, but could be um, not politically uh, you know, expedient, uh, there are people who react the same way today. So uh, he received the same kind of treatment that uh, the prophets of the Old Testament received when they spoke truth uh, to um, you know, their nation. And so um, I appreciate him for having uh, put everything on the line when he didn't have to. There were a lot of other uh, folks who knew that that policy was wrong, but they remained silent about it and would not challenge it. But Dr. Carl Spain did, and he was willing to you know, take uh, the, the consequences of that to face the consequences of that. Well, Dr. Taylor, I— as I look at this, as I look at this topic that we're going to be covering today, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if you're not taking a big step out here. It says, "West Texas rally for Christians against hate." Come on, we are in Abilene, Texas. Three Christian colleges, a church on. Um, every corner. Now, are you going to be preaching to the choir, uh, telling us something that um, most of us already know, or is there something? Why why this rally at this time? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we will be speaking to people in the choir. Uh, we just want to make sure that they remain in the right choir and singing the right kind of songs uh, because there are other choirs out there that go under the banner of being Christian uh, and being followers of Jesus. But those choirs are singing music uh, from a different sheet of music. They're singing lyrics that uh, we don't find in the Holy Scripture. And what I mean by that is they make room in their lives to engage in violence in order to advance a political agenda. They're willing to use weapons of carnal warfare uh, in order to make their way in the world. And they do that under the banner of Christianity or being Christians. And so um, our hope is to remind students of the Bible who are Christians first uh, to remember that Christ Jesus uh, came into the world as a dove of peace and not as a hawk of war. Well, I think you put it so well when you said that there are people in the choir that singing um, different lyrics, I mean, are they getting off tune? Uh, What might some of these lyrics be? I think uh, the lyrics of violence to say that I can prepare and equip myself uh, to engage in warfare against my fellow citizens 
if I feel that uh, my worldview is threatened, and if I feel that what I possess in this world is threatened, I'm willing to take a gun and use it against my neighbor if I feel that that's what I need to do. Uh, and then there are those who are actively organizing themselves uh, with intentionality of engaging in some type of violent conflict, whether it is with other groups, political groups, racial groups, or even the government itself. And I believe I've always been taught as a Christian that we are to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even told Peter to put up your sword, uh, that um, we don't fight like that. Um, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. It is not from here. Uh, and I've always believed that uh, Christians being open to using violence against other Christians who name the same Christ that we name, uh, that is anti-biblical. It is anti teachings of Jesus. Well, I'm, I'm trying to follow this now because, and, and, and I, I want to f- see if we can figure out who these people are. You say they, um, uh, the people in the choir, I mean, these are probably those people that are maybe extracurricular. I mean, they don't just, they don't just come to church and sit there on Sunday, but they they in the choir. They're doing um, these type things. I mean, now, are these people, uh, have they been in the choir for a long time, or are these new people coming to the choir? Mm-hmm. Who are they, uh, best you can tell? Yeah, some of them are actually directing the choir. They're the choir director um, in terms of leadership positions in our churches. Um, I believe that uh, there are uh, leaders high up in our congregations and in our universities and other places that are susceptible to hearing uh, these messages of violence uh, that would even think privately that they would they would be willing to use uh, weapons uh, in an attempt uh, to make their way in the world. And what we're saying is that our congregations are the first place uh, that are targeted uh, for this kind of ideology um, because they feel that that Christians are, are for, for the most part, uh, willing to consider things and, and their belief system. We believe in some things that the world does not believe in, like the resurrection, you know, the virgin birth. And there are some people who are politically seductive who would think, that if Christians believe that, uh, then they will believe anything. And therefore, uh, you know, a lot of uh, untruths are taught, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, um, but that gets in the minds of people, especially those who are people of faith. Um, And if we're not careful, if we don't if we don't examine ourselves on a daily basis, then the violent rhetoric that we hear in the media every day, uh, the violent writings that we read in these books and these magazines and the 
the violence that we see on social media, if we are not intentional about keeping our inner space clean and pure, uh, then those things can seep their way into our thinking. And before we know it, uh, we have been converted. Okay, so I'm, I'm still wrestling with this concept as to how do maybe a Sunday school teacher or the, use, use a choir director, somebody that's been faithful, would give the shirt off of their back, would do just about anything for you and you and you look up one day and and brother so and so is seriously thinking about picking up a weapon i mean what what happened how what took him off the path what do you think well i think uh whoever we are listening to uh the information that we are receiving from various sources that information has a way of forming us in our way of thinking. And if we're receiving information from sources other than the divine informer, uh, then our inner life, our way of thinking, will be shaped uh, by that information that comes from those who may be intentionally misinforming uh, the masses of people. And so... Christians have to be very awake. Uh, they have to be very attentive uh, to what they're listening to. Uh, they have to be very uh, intentional about exalting Jesus above all human personalities. Um, and if we're not, uh, then we are exposing our inner life to be co-opted by the principalities of this world uh, and by forces in this in this world that are not committed to exalting Jesus Christ uh, as the highest allegiance. Uh, there's one uh, thing in the news that I read um, and came across is that there is um, a former high-ranking military official that is holding revival meetings across the country, and uh, he's recruiting what he calls an army of God and what is called the growing Christian nationalist movement. And he's actually baptizing people and calling quote unquote Christians together to arm themselves to be in the army of God. And this is a man who is using the name of Christ to gather people together with the intention of possibly doing physical harm through the use of carnal weapons. And this is this is a prominent figure. As a matter of fact, is Michael Flynn. Um, and uh, he's, he's in the media now uh, as being reported of, of pulling together an army of God. And he's not the only one. So when you were talking about uh, what people are listening to, it's, I'm kind of getting the idea that it's almost like listening to advertisement. If if I'm sitting on my sofa watching television and and an ad continues to come on that at first I have no interest mm-hmm. at all in, mm-hmm. if I continue to listen to that and uh, 
in this particular case, maybe let my guard down, I could find myself going out and and going in big debt big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because somebody presented somewhat of a convincing story. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, mass communication, uh, that is a great feel. I mean, we're using it now. This is mass communication. Uh, but if mass communication gets in the hands of those who uh, have been trained uh, in how to carry out mass hypnosis, um, then we, we have a dangerous situation on our hands. And so uh, mass uh, communication can sometimes be used to manipulate the masses uh, on the simple fact that the mass communicator is repeating the same idea over and over and over again. And if our affection, if our loyalty is to that individual, we will believe whatever that person says without engaging uh, our critical skills in asking the right questions. Well, is this true? Um, you know, what source of evidence is this person using to make this claim? Anybody can make a claim, but it doesn't mean that that is a truthful claim. And so I think depending upon people telling us the news, we have become so relaxed that we think just because they tell us the news that that is the truth. And what we're calling Christians to do in this climate of hostility and hate to where you have both major political parties at odds with each other at a very in a very dangerous way, that Christians who are in both of those parties need to be the voices of speaking up and saying that as for us, we're going to choose the way of the Christ that we claim to be our Lord. And we're not going to exalt any political party above the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is where our true citizenship is. And I am sure that those who have come under the spell, uh, the hypnotic spell of those who are fomenting violence, uh, seeking to divide and to spread hatred, they will take the words that I'm saying right now. Uh, and find a way to flip those back uh, and, and, and excuse themselves from what the Bible is calling us to do and to be. is not what I'm saying. It's what we have all, to my knowledge, have claimed across the years, that we're followers of Jesus. And, uh, you know, regardless of, of how difficult the times are, we don't result to using weapons of carnal warfare. And if we do, we can't claim that Jesus endorses that based on how we have seen him engage his enemies, uh, even to the point of death on a cross. So if somebody goes to the point of picking up a weapon, uh, uh, something to hurt somebody, once they do that, is it fair to say that Jesus walked out the door? That Jesus is no longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The the very thought, if you hate your brother, you've already killed him in your heart, you see. And the, the Sermon on the Mount 
uh, is one of the most resisted sermons in the life of the church. Uh, and I say that um, in light of the fact that we try to find every loophole we can in the Sermon on the Mount as a reason for us not to seek to apply that to our daily lives. And so, but in that sermon, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, if you're angry with him, if you have, you have already, you have already killed him in your heart. And so I think there's enough evidence in our country today to where hatred has set up home in the hearts of the average American citizen, especially in the political realm. And so uh, when that hatred sets there long enough, then we will stop using words to convince one another or to communicate with one another, and we will pick up the weapons that we've been contemplating in our minds of using against each other, and that will become the outcome of thinking hateful thoughts and resentful thoughts and hostile thoughts against our our fellow citizens. And many of these people sit on the same pews with us in our churches on Sunday mornings. We sing the same songs. We, we, we enter the same prayer. We listen to the same sermon. But our hearts are far from each other, right down the middle of politics. Yeah, I, I want to talk about this a little more. I mean, what you just quoted, I would think that any Sunday school teacher could quote it. I would think that anybody that's in a Sunday school class has heard before mm-hmm. and know that you first murder your brother in your heart. So yes. how do we sit in a Sunday school class and say amen to that, but possibly do something different? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it depends upon uh, the gospel to which we have been converted. Uh, some people think that just because they have been baptized uh, or that they have become identified with a particular religious group, that they have been converted. It is possible uh, to espouse a commitment to Jesus Christ and still have the heart untransformed and unchanged. Um, And again, going back to what I said earlier, we have to examine what teachings have been deposited in our hearts, not necessarily in our minds, but in our hearts, because the heart is what we use to have a, a close affinity, a close kinship with God. We love God with the mind and with the heart. And our, our educational system has taught us to value the mind, but it has not taught us how to value the content of the heart. And so it is possible for people to uh, sit in church, mouth all of the right words, sing all of the right songs, and still have a heart that is far from Jesus. And Jesus said that himself, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So how is it that I can kill my brother or my sister in my heart through hateful thoughts and still claim to be pro-life. 
I am pro-life all the way. I want to be consistent in my being pro-life. So I don't want to see a baby killed, and I don't want to see an adult killed. But there is an inconsistency in our position of being pro-life. I'm willing to go out of my way to save the life of a baby, an unborn child. But on the other hand, I'm willing and ready to take up weapons to take somebody's life. You can't, you can't have both of those things and claim to have a consistent position on being pro-life. Okay, uh, Dr. Taylor, if, um, if the leadership of a congregation invited, invited you in to uh, speak to them, what would you be saying direct to them, and what actions do you think the leadership of congregations need to take today? Well, the reason why we, we named the Carl Spain Center the Carl Spain Center on Race Studies and Spiritual Action is that we believe that the only way that our country is going to be healed politically and racially is we're going to have to go back to the source of life that created life to be unified, that created life to be one, and that is God. Uh, If we're going to address the issue of racial division or even political division, we're going to have to go back to the source of all living, and that is God. And I've discovered that uh, there are some instances where those who have been uh, appointed as spiritual leaders, they have no idea uh, what it means when it comes to a Christian spirituality. I've even had some to say, well, I'm afraid I don't know what that is. And what I'm getting at is that the leaders of our churches, and I would I would encourage you know any congregation that I'm speaking to in terms of leadership, is that we have to revisit the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines I think have been greatly neglected, um, and in some cases they're not even taught in our churches what the spiritual disciplines are. I'm not saying this out of a a feeling of self-righteousness. I'm just saying that based on what I have observed, um, very little teaching in, you know, the past 20 years that I've observed uh, has been done on the spiritual disciplines. Well, what are the spiritual disciplines? Well, prayer. Uh, Everybody, you know, said, well, I pray, but have we really studied what prayer is and how to engage in it the way that Jesus prayed. Another one, another uh, spiritual discipline is silence. How much time do we sit in silence without any radio or television on and just being still and silent in the presence of God? And then the other one is meditation. Um, You know, meditating, thinking with a concentrated focus upon uh, a quality of God's nature or upon a biblical passage. And then another one is fasting. Um, we're going to have to engage these spiritual practices in order for us as individual leaders and Christians 
to go more inward into the life of the spirit of God that exists within us. And we cannot get there if we neglect the spiritual tools and the spiritual practices that Jesus left for us to be able to get to that place to where our humanity uh, becomes connected to God's life uh, through the indwelling uh, of Jesus and the indwelling of the, of the Spirit. Continuing a little bit on what we were talking about, what you would say to uh, leaders, mm-hmm. are there some conversations that would probably really be best unleft in a church building? Mm-hmm. Any words, any any things that if they could avoid would just be better? Well, um, I think that sometimes we uh, we localize and we focalize all of our activities at the church building or on a Sunday morning. Uh, there are seven days of the week, and there are other places and locations where these discussions could happen outside of the worship service. Uh, but what I've found is that in many places, they're not; these conversations are not being had anywhere because uh, there are those who have a vested interest in the way things are uh, to where they would prevent any discussion about these issues because they really don't want, in their heart of hearts, they know that they really don't want to see things change. And so um, uh, I think that we have to become more creative uh, in in the location of these conversations so people won't say, well, you're using Sunday morning to talk about this or to talk about that. Um, If Sunday morning is not the best time to talk about it, then we need to look at another morning of the week or an evening of the week to have these serious conversations because there are people that are using mass communication right now to talk to the members of our congregations seven days a week. They're very consistent. And so if we we line that up and say, okay, they're listening to this on on the radio or on the television, all these many hours of the week, and then they come to the church where the truth is supposed to be preached and the truth is supposed to be exalted, and we can't talk about these things here, what is left to offset uh, negative thinking? What is left to to, to challenge uh, messages of hate? If that's all people are taking in throughout the week and they come to the church house and then the people who are responsible for uh, curing their souls and teaching their souls can't teach about these things, about the harm that they can do to them, then what have we done? We have just turned over the sheep and the flock to those who are ravenous wolves because those folks uh, in many cases, are driven by hatred and anger. And they're not preaching the message of Jesus. They're preaching the message of worldly control, using whatever means you can to get control of whatever you feel you need to get control of. That's not heavenly wisdom, James says. That's earthly wisdom. And James says it's devilish, it is sensual, and it is unspiritual. 
And he said, wherever you see uh, evil work going on, then you can rest assured that that's not the wisdom of God that is at work. So which wisdom are we listening to the most? Are we listening to the wisdom of heaven that's supposed to be taught in our churches? Or are we being drowned by this wisdom of the world that we turn on the television, it's coming at us. We turn on the radio, it's coming at us. What we pick up and read is coming at us. Seven days a week, but on a Sunday, we're not supposed to have anything to say about what's being said that we know is contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay, now, uh, when people say that uh, I'm a Christian nationalist, I mean, you know, if you turn it around, well, that's a that's a nation of Christians, which don't sound too bad. Mm-hmm. But what what is a Christian nationalist? What what are they promoting? What are they putting out there? I think a Christian nationalist is a Christian who says that I can be loyal to God and loyal to my nation on an equal basis. And so nationalism then is Christianized, and you can't tell where one ends and the other begins. That's what makes it so dangerous. So why can't I be a kingdom Christian? Why do I have to be a Christian nationalist? You see, Christ came to teach us that we are a holy nation, that our citizenship is not of this world. And why is it that I would be more willing to die for a country that is of this world and be hesitant to die for the kingdom of God that is not of this world? And so I ask the question, um, which citizenship should be exalted above the other? Now, I'm grateful to be an American citizen. And I love the country in which I live. I love traveling across this country, seeing the beautiful scenes and the beautiful people, the diversity of humanity that God has allowed to exist in this country. is something beautiful to behold. But this is not my home. I was born in Covington, Tennessee, but this world is not my home. And when Christians forget that we have another country to which we're going, another country to which we belong, that we are citizens of a kingdom that is higher than any kingdom of this world. And we forget that. That's when we start fighting and killing and hurting and wounding people to control the material uh, kingdoms of this world. And those are the very first things uh, that Satan tempted Jesus with, with the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said, no. No, I will not bow down to you in order to receive all of the glory of all of the kingdoms of the world. And if Jesus, our leader, exercised that ability to just say no to the satanic offer uh, to embrace the kingdoms of the world as their king, then so should we be very tempered in how we are engaged when it comes to opportunities to rule and lord over the kingdoms of this world because their power does not come from on high. Their power comes from an earthly wisdom. 
It is a carnal power. We who are Christians are citizens in a higher kingdom, and our power does not come from the outside. It comes from the inside. And that is what I think we need to remind our brothers and sisters. I don't care uh, what political stripes they may be wearing. If you are Christian in this particular political party, if you're Christian in this other particular political party, then as Paul told Judea in Syntyche, you all need to agree in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our common ground. And so uh, if we can agree in the Lord that love is the highest value, then we will cease having the need to compete with one another over a carnal power that is only temporary in the first place. So it kind of comes down, I guess, to what's said in the book of of Matthew, you cannot serve two masters, and whereas that's right, I'm, I'm like you. I'm glad to be mm-hmm. a citizen of the United States, but mm-hmm. I I cannot put those on the same level. That's right, or even even close to the same. That's right, exactly. even close to the exactly. same level. Exactly, and I I believe that. Uh, Christians should have good influence in our nation. Yes, I, I love that idea. But that Christian influence must not come at the end of a gun barrel. We don't influence the country by using carnal uh, weapons of warfare. We influence our nation by expressing the principles and the teachings that we inherited from the first Son of God, which is Jesus Christ. And that is how Christians have been able to impact the world since Christ came and left, and he's coming again. But that's how Christians have been able to have such a powerful influence in whatever country they're in, not by using violence. When we began to fight fire with fire and use the same kinds of weapons that that non-Christians are using, what makes us any different? What makes us any different? You know, fighting fire with fire only creates more fire and everybody gets burned up. We who claim to be followers of the Prince of Peace must now in this critical hour be willing to stand up and say that no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, we're going to remain loyal and faithful to the Christ, to Christ Jesus, and we're going to follow his teachings and not be seduced uh, by um, corrupt, evil philosophers that come in all forms and shapes and to be led astray from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul told the Galatians, you've been bewitched. You have been bewitched. Someone has led you away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're calling Christians to do on October 23rd is to use the seven days leading up to that, beginning on the 17th of October, going to the 23rd, fasting and praying to make sure that we have not been seduced into a perverted gospel. Do you have, I mean, is there anything on a a website, anything that a person might get to help them to prepare for this 
prepare for this rally? Yes, um, they can go to carlspaincenter.org, and we'll have all of that information up there, uh, and they can uh, see what time the rally starts. Uh, starts at three o'clock. Uh, we have a an amazing group of singers, young men. Uh, coming in from Houston, Texas, is about six or seven of them. They'll be singing a cappella music. Um, also, Terry Jackson, who performed at the uh, Legacy on Earth uh, documentary yes. uh, at the Paramount, she'll be uh, coming back to be with us, and I think she's bringing some singers with her as well. And then Dr. Sam Cook, uh, his uh, ACU gospel choir, will be performing as well. So we'll have uh, oh, man. some great rally speakers. Uh, we'll have people leading prayers, um, and then we'll have some great singing. And so we're, we're just asking God to to allow our country to experience his divine intervention again. And hopefully we can be faithful, uh, be faithful stewards in shepherding that intervention uh, in ways that will, will, will honor and glorify him. Uh, in the most effective way. I uh, I really appreciate the things you've said. And um, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, I've heard more talk, and I guess it's kind of loosely, but maybe not so loosely, people talking about a civil war. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, over the last few years, people have bought guns. Yes. People have bought ammunition, but I think what I'm hearing you say, uh, particularly to Christian men and women, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you've got your guns, you can enjoy them, maybe take your Mm -hmm. grandchildren out uh, on a deer hunt, or maybe target practice mm-hmm. but beyond that don't don't be like peter i mean mm-hmm. peter tried that violent thing and yes jesus stopped him that's right, right there that's right absolutely in, in his track yes and the, the the other thing that comes to mind uh is the lead up to the rwandan genocide uh people don't realize that they, they were stockpiling machetes uh, months and months prior to the actual engagement of the of the genocide, and ninety percent—that's the most Christian region on the continent of Africa. Ninety percent of of the the folks in Rwanda they identified as Christians. Wow! Members of the Roman Catholic Church, members of Protestant churches, the Seventh Day Adventist uh, churches. Ninety percent of that country uh, claimed. To be Christian, but yet after Easter, the machetes that they had stockpiled, they took those machetes and they start butchering each other. Christians butchering Christians, and even relatives butchering relatives. And and sometimes people look at that and say, "Oh well, you know that's an African country." Well, what's happening in Ukraine right now? Ukraine and Russia. If that kind of of, of active violence can be carried out in Rwanda, if it can be carried out in Ukraine at the hands of Vladimir Putin, it can also be carried out here in the United States, and it has been carried out here in the Civil War. 
that we've had on this soil before. And if Christians wait too late to step out ahead of this thing, uh, you will begin to smell the the smell of innocent bloodshed floating in the air that you will begin to see with your own eyes in real time what the people are having to see in Ukraine and that they had to see in Rwanda. And all I am saying to people, I don't want to live in a country like that. Um, I don't want to uh, have to see people being reduced to the level of an animal to where we have lost our humanity and our capacity to love and to have compassion towards one another. And the, the, the African Union uh, said that in the Rwandan genocide, the church was conspicuously and scandalously involved in that because the leaders and the churches failed to speak up against it and to take a moral stand against it. And the same thing happened in Nazi Germany. The German evangelical church and the, Roman, the, the, the Catholic church, they did not take a firm stand against what was building up as the Jewish Holocaust. And all I'm saying to people as strongly and as passionately as I can this should not be another ugly moment, or ugly stain on the history of the church that will witness these storm clouds gathering and the watchmen that's supposed to be on the watch are not sounding their trumpet as they see the, the war clouds moving in. This is the time that every Christian uh, must find the courage to say what we know is from the mouth of God, from the mouth of Jesus Christ in terms of peacemaking. And yes, people are going to say that that's being weak, that we've, we've had enough talk. Well, when talking stops, that's when the shooting starts. And I think we have to keep uh, compelling one another uh, to think with the mind of Christ and to act with the behavior of Christ. And it's for not just our good, but for the good of the generation of the young people that are coming behind us. I'm thinking about my children and their children and their children's children. And we don't want to leave a legacy of hostility in a divided country, a destabilized country where the food supply and the, the resources have become so diminished that we have we have lost our way. We don't want that to ever be the case that we leave uh, to our children and our children's children. So that's why we're having this public rally. Um, we're planning um, a, a racial healing of America uh, revival and bus tour next uh, July. Um, and so this is a launching effort that that's going to be a part of a long process of trying to work and pray and fast for the healing of this country, both racially and politically. And I know that we're limited in our capacity, but I believe in a God who is more than able Amen. Uh, to, to heal those things that are broken. Well, with the things that you've just said, um, Brother Taylor, as, uh, as we wrap this up, would you close it out with a prayer? I think mm -hmm. we need to 
Yes. Have prayer okay. today, right, right now. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, gracious God, we know that you made this world. You are its rightful owner, and you are the sole proprietor. And we ask you, O oh God, to remind us that we are dependent upon you for our survival. We are dependent upon you for our security, for our protection. And we pray that we will never become so uh, arrogant in our thinking uh, to where we think that we can take matters into our own hands or take our life in our own hands. We just ask you, Father, to remind us that no matter how big our weapons may be, if you are not with us, there is no weapon formed by human beings that can protect us. You are our defender. You are the God in who we trust. You are, O oh God, the source of our life. So we pray for our beloved city of Abilene. We pray for all of the citizens that live here and also in West Texas and in the state of Texas and in the entire country. Just help us as Christians to step forward and to be that light and to be that salt that you have commissioned us to be. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace. We pray this prayer in his name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. All right. Ready? It's Everything West Texas is a production of KACU and is sponsored by the West Texas Tribune and Floyd Miller Investments. Securities and investment advisory services offered through FSC Securities Corporation, member FINRA SIPC. FSC is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of FSC. Floyd Miller can be reached at 3300 South 14th Street, Suite 100 in Abilene, Texas, 325-676-0138. I'm Floyd Miller, your host. Subscribe today.